entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. The show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builders Show, and along with my executive producer, D.C. Taylor, we will be your guides on this learning journey. Let me tell you my super objective in being with you today. I want to enthusiastically share stories and information to inspire leaders so they can inspire others. I'm proud to let you know we record the Business Builder Show in the studios of 94.3 FM, The Talker, which is part of Bold Gold Media in Scranton, Pennsylvania. The Business Builder Show is distributed by C-Suite Radio. You can find the Business Builder Show and many other fine shows at c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. My special guest today is Carl J. Schramm. Hi, Carl. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thank you. Uh, I've been looking forward to this discussion. Let me do a quick intro. Carl Schramm is the author of, listen carefully to the title of this book, audience, Burn the Business Plan, What Great Entrepreneurs Really Do. Carl is a university professor at Syracuse University and, a form, and former president of the Ewing Marion Kaufman Foundation. He has served in major corporate roles and chaired the United States Department of Commerce's Measuring Innovation in the 21st Century Economy Advisory Committee. He was also a member of the President's National Advisory Council on Innovation and Entrepreneurship. So I think this Carl Schramm guy has some pretty good insights on information. Now let me start this way, Carl. I'm going to throw you a fastball at your head right out of the gate, so I think you're ready. So... The title of your book, Burn the Business Plan, What Great Entrepreneurs Really Do. Um, hmm. Some people may be upset with you. After all, Carl, I mean, consultants, universities, NGOs, and economic development agencies have been touting the importance of a business plan. Are you going to tell me they're all wrong? Go. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> all wrong. Uh, yes, okay. Um, Keep going, man. <laughs> well, here's uh, the first observation we have to make is that prior to 1980, the word entrepreneur was never, ever used by average Americans. Mm. Prior to 1980, there was no such thing as a business plan. Mm. This idea came. This idea came in the wake of uh, the creation of Microsoft and Apple. When loads of kids were going to college, trying to figure out how to copy Gates and Jobs, mm. and colleges had to cook up a curriculum overnight. Mm. And what they did was they went to the business schools to get uh, advice from uh, strategic planning. Strategic planning are the people who write business plans, but they write business plans for big existing companies. Mm. So if you're Procter and Gamble and you want to buy a new company or you want to expand a new product line, 
there's a big written business plan from your strategy department. Mm-hmm. But this has nothing to do with startup businesses. So mm-hmm. my evidence is Procter & Gamble never had a business plan. Uber never had a business plan. Apple never had a business plan. Microsoft never had a business plan. Facebook never had a business plan, let alone all the giant companies in history. So there was never any business plan for General Motors or mm-hmm. for United Airlines uh, you know, or for Exxon Mobil. Right? These are companies, there never was a business plan. So how it is that in the 1980s, 1990s, and the 2000s, we now have 6,000 professors teaching students in full-time jobs, in full-time majors, how to become entrepreneurs by writing business plans is beyond me. Is beyond me too, <laughs> and I and I am one. I am one of those consultants. Although I've always been hung up on say, you know what? I I, I understand we need to, you know, look at things and kind of think about it. But um, you know, writing this detailed business plan with an Excel spreadsheet that p- uh, points out the next ten years is a bunch of baloney. Um, so so you, you kind of have put it I together. Have said it better. <laughs> yeah, how's that for a, a non-university professor? Um, but I, I, I was really looking forward to this conversation. I really am fired up. I'm probably talking too much already. Okay, so um, so talk to me about, and you, you have several examples. Talk to me about, okay, so you pointed out those people, those big companies, those noted companies didn't have business plans. So talk to me about some of the people that you're in the, in the book. Like, uh, were they, I call some of these people like accidental entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs of necessity. For instance, I love the story about the head skis. Um, but answer that any way you want. Well, uh, I think you're, you, you've obviously read the book. And what happens is I make the argument that great entrepreneurs don't go around looking for a business to start. They don't mm. go around looking for an idea, which, by the way, in college, that's the very first chapter of a book, okay? You yeah. do opportunity recognition. Right. Like overnight, in the next three or four days, you'll figure out how, how what what's missing in life wow. that you can turn into a business, okay? Yeah. No, most entrepreneurs, as I, count, as I talk in my book, uh, as I describe in my book, I, I use the word ambushed. They're working along. Uh, first of all, one of the most amazing things that uh, I think is in the book is the fact, and my book is basically based, based on evidence and data, which is unlike most other books on entrepreneurship, yeah. which are all prescriptive. Uh, I discover, or I report, because the Coffin Foundation, it was our research department that discovers, that the average age of an entrepreneur, a person starting a business in the United States is 39 years. Pause, pause. Not 21. Pause right there. Very important. Say that again. The average age of an entrepreneur or a startup business is what? 39 years old. That's when people start. It's older in Mexico. It's 41 in Mexico. Wow. In Europe, it's the same thing. It's 38, 39, or 40. This is when people start businesses. So, you know, if you wanted me to boil the book down to a 20-year-old, I would say the following three lessons are in there. First, wait. Yeah. Second, Go to work for a big company. Yeah. The average entrepreneur has worked for a big company almost 15 years. Wow. And the third is keep your eyes open. If you're an entrepreneur, you're going to see something happen out of your experience uh, where you think you can make a better product or you can make something that already is being made better, faster, and cheaper. Yeah. Great advice. Solid advice. Okay. I'm, I, I mentioned head, but while you were speaking... 39, 40 years old to start up. Um, 
one example you talked about, I can't remember his name, uh, was working for Coke, I believe, Coca-Cola. And, yep. And they wanted to get into, or he was in the wine business, wanted to get them into the wine business. So tell me that story. Tell the audience that story, because he was older. He had gone through kind of the stages you, you just described. So tell me that story. Yeah, that's Art Sioka. Yeah. Um, and Art uh, worked, uh, he got an MBA, he was in the Navy. He got out, um, he began to work in the food industry. His first job was, I think, with uh, that spice company out in San Francisco. And then he went to work for uh, the Gallo Brothers. Uh, um, yeah. And he was working his way up the ladder. And then um, a headhunter came and got him and said, Coke of New York, the Coke Bottling Company, uh, had a uh, fine beverage business, basically that was code word for wines. Mm. They were trying to get into the wine business. And they hired Art to take over uh, their wine business. And after three years, he had turned it around and started to make it grow like crazy. And the book says that he was one day out inspecting a vineyard in California, and a friend of his from headquarters called and said, you know, they're going to send, they're going to put your division up, which is called the wine group, they're going to put that up for sale. Mm. And Art, Art was furious. He'd done this turnaround. He built this great team. And he went back to New York overnight and argued with the board of directors saying, look, the growth in America's taste is not going to be in soft drink. It's going to be in wine. Mm. We're going to grow this. We're going to grow Coke and its revenue and its profitability based on doing wine. And they said, uh-uh. Uh, you know, they took the regular business consultant's advice. Mm. They had a big fight going on with Pepsi. Mm-hmm. And they said, we've got to return to our core business. Mm. So they left their great growth opportunity on the side of the road, and Art said, okay, I'll buy this business from you. Mm. They bought the business, and long story short, Art developed the wine group into the second or third largest wine-producing company in the world. Yeah. (laughs) Great story. (laughs) Great story. And by the way, he was was, uh, in his 40s, late 40s, when this whole happened. Well, that's where I was going to go, because you just said a minute or two ago, um, I think I got the three points. So your kind of advice, if you will, uh, to entrepreneurs as things thinking about it is, first of all, wait, work mm-hmm. for a, work for a big company or a, a company, learn something, get experience mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. and then look for an opportunity. It sounds like art followed the formula. Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't looking for an opportunity. The only correction I make is oh. most entrepreneurs. Yeah, like yeah. myself, are ambushed by the idea. Yeah. So not sitting around saying, geez, I think I'll be an entrepreneur. I'd like to be an entrepreneur. I'll keep my eyes open. Yeah. Uh, they're in the middle of life yeah. when an opportunity goes bang. Yeah. Uh, they get ambushed by the idea. Ambushed. In my case, I was a pro- I was professor at Johns Hopkins. Yeah. I wanted to be a professor the rest of my life. I mean, I'd already started down the road. You know that most professors would kill for it to be at a very, very famous university. Yeah, and I was thirty-eight. I was doing research. I came upon uh, an observation that would permit me to make hospitals more efficient and more clinically effective. And I was furious because I knew immediately that I couldn't use this knowledge as a professor writing papers because hospitals wouldn't pay any attention to it. Yeah, and I knew the only way I could make the world better, which is what entrepreneurs do, was to leave Hopkins and start a business. I wanted no part of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. But this idea was so powerful, it ambushed me. It took me. And, of course, I, I had to quit teaching. 
Yeah. And, and, but that, so, so you launched, I'll use that phrase. You launched the business Mm -hmm. and you thought Mm -hmm. you were going to take 38, by the way, you were 38 years old and you thought you were going to take over the world with this information. It didn't work out that way, did it? No, it didn't. <laughs> it um, didn't. I thought I had the, I had the information that would teach one hospital to compete with another. I had the I had basically assembled all the accounting data on every hospital in the country, and no one had ever done that before. It took me four months to prove to myself that this data, which it seemed to me would be self-evident, every hospital would want to know if they were more effective in their surgery department than the hospital next door. Were they doing? where they were running more efficiently in the emergency room than the hospital next door. They had to compete with each other. Yeah. Well, they cared less about that. It turned out they had lawyers saying, you know, we don't want to have this information in the hospital because yeah. if there's a mistake. We could get sued for just even knowing, knowing that there was a difference between us and a better hospital. Yeah. So, you know, my great mousetrap, uh, <laughs> you know, was not catching mice. Right. So, uh, I, I fortunately, uh, discovered that hospitals were building themselves, they were re- refurbishing, by selling uh, hospital bonds to investors. Bonds, yes. These bonds were insured. So, you know, I went to New York City, I found the bond insurance company that was doing most of this business. I said to him, you know, you guys, I can actually tell you what's a good uh, risk and what's a bad risk. Brilliant. I can tell you what yeah. hospitals are likely to be solvent and which hospitals are likely to be bankrupt. And, you know, as I say in the book, I, this guy is a total stranger to me. And he said to me, I remember his words vividly. He said, I knew one day you'd walk through that door. I knew. Yeah, I love that. I they, love they invested in the company. <laughs> then they bought the company. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, the algorithms I built are still in use. Yeah. Unbelievable. They, they are, yeah. Yeah, two 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 observations from that. Uh, I don't know if this is part of your prescription, but it takes time. And most of your stories mm-hmm. that you talk about yourself and the stories you talk about in the book, it it takes time uh, is a critically important part of it. And again, uh, you know, I love the word ambushed. I mean, it's like you know, there you were. You thought you had the best mousetrap, and you were ambushed. Stay here for more of the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. My friends at NastPartners.com asks you. Who will take you there? The predictive index allows you to decode the complexities of your people and realize what drives workplace behaviors so you can ensure alignment, reach your team's true potential, and achieve your business objectives faster than ever. The predictive index uses proven science to help you manage across the hire-to-retire life cycle with scientifically validated workforce assessments that provide high-impact insights in minutes. That's the Predictive Index. Learn more at nastpartners.com. That's my friend Dave Nast at nastpartners.com. That's N-A-S-T, nastpartners.com. I am speaking with Carl J. Schramm. His book is Burn the Business Plan, What Great Entrepreneurs Really Do. Uh, Carl, you have a website, correct? And it is your name. Am I correct on that? 
Yep, sir, you're correct. Mm-hmm. And it is Carl Schramm. His last name is S-C-H-R-A-M-M. And so it's carlschramm.com. You can also find him on Twitter by just putting the at in front of Carl Schramm, and you'll see him. As a matter of fact, I posted on Twitter today that we're going to have this chat, and you retweeted We tweeted that. So good job. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. So let's, let's go here. Um, talk to me about... Common misconceptions. Uh, you were already talking about some of them, like the age. I, I'd like to hit mm-hmm. on a couple couple other points. Um, entrepreneurs as risk takers, uh, uh, kind of like we already talked about. Like, are these average people? So I'm going to hit you with, I guess, three or four points. Um, and then uh, something that's I want you to hit on. I hate this thought process that everybody is talking about is fail fast and fail often. I think that's baloney. We should be trying to (laughs) succeed, Carl, not fail. We should be working to to succeed. So I don't know. That was multi-level question. So, so some, some misconceptions go for it. Yeah. uh, Well, the first is what I call, you know, the, the Mozart genius idea Yeah. that, uh, and I talked, I'm talking to students today. And one of the first things I'll lay down to them is, you know, you guys all think that if you don't have a brilliant idea by the time you're 22, you're over with. You better get a job yeah. as a drone in the government or in a big company. <laughs> and that's just so wrong. Yeah. Right? yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, professors push that idea. Yeah. You know, and local business uh, incubator type people say, you know, this is the future of America, our brightest people. Come into our incubator and see how shiny bright these kids are and the great ideas they're working on. And most of these great ideas are not great at all. Uh, here's another common misperception, misperception. Yes. That kids, kids are the people who have the bright ideas. Well, the fact is, as my book says, that people in the age group 30 to 40 start five times as many businesses there you go. as people under 30. There you go. And their chances of success at five years and 10 years are five times greater than if you start a business in your 20s. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that goes to the question, are they risk takers? The most risky uh, period in which to start a business is in your 20s. Yeah. Uh, now, yes, I have to say, you know, there are people like Mark Zuckerberg, who's much in the news. And yeah. if he hadn't had all this bad news in the last two weeks, yeah. we'd still think about him as a boy genius, which he was. Yeah, yeah, he um, is, yeah. But know, that, that's, uh, but that's one in billions. There's a, there's a reason we call these people unicorns. Yeah, right? yeah, there's, exactly. They appear once in a while, yeah. okay? Yeah. Um, but that's not the typical entrepreneur. No, not at all. At all. Not at all. Mm-hmm. My experience has been also. So so talk to me about this fail fast, because we're, 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 we're having such a great conversation. I want to make – so talk to me about this fail fast, fail often concept. You, you kind of talk about that. I don't know if you use those words. Uh, don't, we do. want, don't we want to try to succeed, Carl? <laughs> and, and what are, maybe yeah, some I mean, ideas on how to help there, us succeed. There, 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 it's, a, it's a standard piece of the recommended wisdom in every book on entrepreneurship that you should fail fast. Well, the reality is, again, I look at statistics. I'm trained as an economist, right? Yeah. And people say, boy, when you fail, then you'll be a much better entrepreneur. Well, the reality is, if you fail, your chances of starting a new business go down. Yeah. And if you start a second business, your chances of success are no higher than if you start an, uh, your first business, okay? Yeah. So it's not clear anybody learns anything from failure. Um, I don't think that's much much correct at all. <laughs> now, it, it's, you know, it's a nice, it's like 
problem in life, you know? Yeah. Oh, I want to learn from failure, right? Yeah. yeah. No, you want to learn from success. Yeah. Right? Amen. If Amen. If you have a life where everything was successful, you wouldn't sit around when you're 65 in an old folks home regretting that you didn't have failures. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, again, I... I reel against this stuff when I hear it. And when I hear other quote unquote mentors talking, I like shirk. I'm going like, why did you say that to this person? They are not failures at 21. They're not in high school and they don't because they don't have this great idea. Okay. I'm, I'm talking way too much because you have me fired up. Okay. So, um, so statistics, you know, this data really sucks, Carl. This data uh, validating what you write about and burn the burn the business plan. What great entrepreneurs really do uh, that really sucks. You know, having facts. <laughs> yeah, but that's <laughs> why I wrote the book. That's why you wrote the book. If you don't have facts. You can get away with all this sort of voodoo advice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's it, we're like in the in caveman country or caveman times when it comes to what people are told. Yeah. And there's a moral dimension to this book because we, uh, you know, one of the fastest growing majors in universities is entrepreneurship. And if you go off and ask kids and I'll meet kids today yeah. and I'll say, what are you doing in the university? Oh, I'm studying entrepreneurship. I want to be an entrepreneur as if they were studying to be a dentist. Yeah. Okay. It's not an occupation. Yeah. Being an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur is a role you play in the big drama of business. Yep. They're the people who start businesses. Yep. It's nothing more or less than that. Yeah. And incidentally, what's really important, I think, one of the, I think one of the most interesting parts of the book is that we now spend about $2 billion in public money. In 1980, we spent $0 encouraging people to start new businesses other than doing the loan program of the SBA. So we now have 6,000 professors. We have at least 500 schools where you can major in entrepreneurship. We have 1,400 incubators. And the number of new startups keeps going down. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I know. I've, I've, I've studied this myself. As a matter of fact, the New York Times wrote an article about a year ago. A startup slump is a drag on the economy. And then they kind of blame big business. They kind of say, well, startups are starting, but big businesses are buying them. And there's probably some truth to that. But to, to, to just to confirm your point, so all this activity in entrepreneurship slash startups have actually declined yes wow mm -hmm. wow if, so if in, in 19 in 1980 for example when the word entrepreneur was not in the common vocabulary yeah we were starting over 800,000 new firms a year last year we started barely 500,000 wow so it's, it's fallen off 30 percent in the whole time in which we got hyped up wow about thinking entrepreneurs were critical and here's a perfect example. You know, most of these entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial incubators, they're, they're generally run by local development agencies. And what yeah. the real narrative is, is if we get a lot more entrepreneurs here, and let's say, I don't mean to pick on a place, but you're in, you're in Scranton. There's right. one in Scranton, right? Right. And the narrative in that, uh, the reason it exists is, if we get a lot more entrepreneurs in Scranton, we'll recover the, we'll, we'll recover the dynamic economy that was once Scranton. Yeah, I'm speaking to you from Syracuse today. Right? Yes. Syracuse, like Scranton, was one of the feature cities of the Industrial Revolution in the United States. Yeah. Well, it no longer is. You know, it's losing population. But there's incubators up here that uh, the sub-agenda of these entrepreneurs who go into these incubators is they are taught that their job is to save the city's economy. Yeah. 
Now, it's tough enough to start a business. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. But if you're told that the second job you have starting a business is to create jobs for the local economy, goodness knows, it's, a, it's no wonder that people are starting fewer businesses. We scare the heck out of them. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it's a, that's a huge burden. It's you know, a I'm huge sure burden. I, I know. Get my widget into the market. I'm not sure my new invention is good enough. I'm not sure I hired the right people. I'm not sure I got enough yeah, money. I, I, and, oh, I'm supposed I'm supposed to resuscitate the Erie, Pennsylvania economy or the Rochester economy. Give me a break. Give me a break. Give me a break. We said the same words at the same time. Give me a break. The best way to become an entrepreneur is to start. Start a company. Certainly think about it. Uh, Have an opportunity in front of you. Certainly lay out some kind of a vision. Do all those kinds of things. But start, for goodness sake, and start playing and start doing it and whatever. And there's different things in the book. So we need to wrap up, believe it or not. Um Again, my guest is Carl J. Schramm. His book is Burn the Business Plan, What Great Entrepreneurs Really Do. Carl, take a minute and kind of wrap up. Did we hit the points that you wanted to hit? I definitely want everybody to buy this book, but do you want to close with uh, some uh, some thoughts? Well, I guess the first thought is you can go to Amazon uh, to get it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I think yeah, you so should I'm, do that. I'm sounding like an entrepreneur. I think. Yes, you are. And okay. I'm proud but, of you. Good job. <laughs> but, but when, when, when we boil away the book, what, what the book's lesson really is, is you're never too old. Second, you should wait before you do it until you've got a really good idea. Third, the likeliest place to get a good idea and to learn lots of other stuff that will make you successful is working in another company. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. where the incubation of our big company, of our big businesses happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's working in the company because among other things, I guess the fourth thing I'd say is understand what scale is. You don't want to start something small. Yeah. You're not really, that's not what entrepreneurship is about. It might be for a lifestyle entrepreneur, you might want to start, you know, a little knitting store and that's perfectly fine. It becomes your livelihood and it's your passion. But most entrepreneurs want to start, you know, something yeah. Uh, consequential. Yeah, consequential. So I like I the think, word. I yeah. think that's really what it boils down to. Yeah. Um, Carl, great book. I'm going to say it one more time. Burn the Business Plan, What Great Entrepreneurs Really Do. You can learn more about Carl on his website, carlschram.com. His last name is S-C-H. R-A-M-M dot com. You can also find him on Twitter. We didn't talk at all about the Kauffman Foundation. I wanted to, but we ran out of time. You got to read the book. You got to check out Carl so that you can save yourself a lot of time, money, energy, and pain, quite frankly. So uh, go to Amazon.com and buy the book. Carl, thanks so much for being uh, on the Business Builder Show. Oh, thanks for having me as your guest. Thank you for listening to the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf, reminding you to find all our shows and many other great shows on C-Suite Radio. That's c-suiteradio.com. On behalf of myself, Marty Wolf, your host, and D.C. Taylor, my executive producer, thank you for listening to the Business Builders Show, and stay tuned for information on how you can become part of the C-Suite Network. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. As a loyal fan of this C-Suite Radio Show, we've got an unbelievable offer for you. Listeners to the Business Builders Show get 50% off a C-Suite Network membership. The C-Suite Network will help you become the most strategic person in the room. 
You'll have access to top-notch benefits and networking, all helping you get the most out of your position. Take advantage of this limited-time offer today. Learn more about the C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR. Again, that's 50% off a C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR.